welcome to this uh, podcast. Uh, I think it's the sixth episode. I'm not sure. Maybe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. so. <laughs> Today I am uh, speaking with uh, Marit. Hi, hi. Uh, who are you, Marit? Um, I am uh, one of your workers. <laughs> <laughs> You're a roaster. Yes, I am a you roaster and a barista. Yeah, mm. you work in our roastery. How, yes. how long have you been working with us? Uh, it will be five years in June. Wow, it's yeah. a long time. Yeah. And we've only been open for, I think, 13 years this year. Yeah. Yeah. So five years is almost half of that. <gasps> almost. Well, <laughs> the reason why I invited you to this podcast today is because uh, last podcast we... You were actually sitting next to us while we were recording mm. uh, at top on top of a volcano mm. in El Salvador. Mm. Uh, we were recording a podcast with Hilberto Barona, which is a farmer that we buy coffee from. He's quite famous. So if you haven't listened to that podcast, I think you should. It's a, We talk about a lot of different processes and just coffee in general from his farm and so on. But the reason why I wanted to have you on this podcast is because it was your first time to Origin. Yes. And uh, we went actually on a little tour. Can you explain where we went? Mm. So we started at uh, Los Pirineos, um, at Hilberto's farm. And then we traveled to Honduras, to um, Marisabel and Moises Caballero, and then to Hobnil, yeah. who has the Nascimento farm and now he has bought five more farms. So yeah. yeah, which is, you know, uh, in a different area, but yeah. uh, was it five? At least three, three or four? Uh, I can't even remember. So many different lands. Four, four. I think, yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah it <laughs> was, uh, was a quick, uh, quick uh, travel and it was, you know, when we ar arrived back to Norway, you know, everything changed mm. that was when corona kind mm. of erupted here in norway and things started to shut down and we actually mm. had to go in quarantine for mm. a couple of days yeah but uh none of us were sick mm. i hope <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah but it was uh, i think we were gone for like 12 days uh starting at uh el in el salvador mm. it was a long flight but uh mm. and we arrived late at night but the uh, next morning we drove to hilberto's farm mm. And uh, ended up going on a tour of his mm. farm. What was your kind of first impressions? Like, the reason why I'm asking him is because I've, I've been traveling to farms since two, the early 2000s. Mm. And uh, for me, I, I, I kind of tend not to get as excited anymore because <laughs> it's kind of a routine, more or less. And I've been yeah. to one, uh, a lot of these farms many times. Mm. I think it was my 10th year of going to. Uh, to Hilberto's farm. Oh wow! Yeah. So uh, it's yeah, I've been there quite a lot. Mm. Uh, but how was your impression? Like, what was the kind of first thing that uh, came to mind when you when you entered the farm? Like, well, seeing a coffee tree for the first time, it's ha almost hard to explain how you feel. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm a bit nerdy, but uh, yeah, it's it's amazing. And um, to be able to pick one of the cherries yeah. and taste it. Yeah. Oh, I felt like a kid in, like, I don't know, uh, Disneyland or, yeah. And his farm is a little bit like Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I also remember when I went to India 
which was my first origin trip mm. actually. The first time I saw a coffee tree. We actually just stopped the bus because we were on a tour bus. It was like a big group. And then uh, it was next to a coffee farm. So I ran into the field, picked a cherry and ate it. And then I <laughs> discovered it was full of worms. Oh and no. uh, also it was a robusta tree. So it wasn't that romantic, you know, but uh, still it was this kind of feeling, yeah. magical feeling. Mm, something I've been like dreaming of, of course, working with coffee for a long time and not seeing where the product is from yeah. has been a little bit, yeah. But you read a lot of uh, literature. You probably see in some of the videos we have produced. Mm. Like, did did you feel that you knew coffee before you came to the farm, or was it like a new discovery? I think it's something special about seeing uh, a farm with your own eyes. I mean, I could. Um, like you're a good teacher tim so mm. <laughs> when you have been traveling you come home and you often have a lecture yeah for us and um it was nice to kind of just see finally okay this is how it looks like and yeah this is what you talk about um yeah because theory is a kind of you know i i also learned a lot of the theory uh just by reading a lot of books but uh like knowing it, knowing it is one thing, but understanding it is a different thing. And I think, you know, it's hard to un really deeply understand it until we've actually seen it and mm -hmm. smelt it and mm. touched. Mm. But uh, we tasted a lot of different varieties on this farm. Yeah, I think he has like 50 varieties in his uh, variety garden. <laughs> and we went, we went through all of them and just <laughs> ate cherries like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, not it's not always so healthy because they're sprayed with fungicides and stuff like that. But were there any cherries that kind of... Tell me how a coffee cherry tastes like. Oh, it's um, it's different taste. Like the different varieties taste a little bit different. Yeah. Some taste like bell pepper uh, and some taste more like candy. Yeah, I would say maybe the majority of the cherries that I've tasted has this kind of bell pepper, yeah. vegetal, mm. sweet but vegetal. But there were a couple of varieties like the Sudandrume. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> amazing. What was uh, that's like hard to explain, but it's like candy and yeah. blackcurrant and and the geisha. It it tastes a little bit like papaya and mm. also uh, we tasted a yellow pacamara variety. Hilberto uh, has one tree, <laughs> and he, uh, he actually gave me some seeds. Uh, see, if we can grow it here in Norway, but uh, he wants to spread the seeds a little bit just in case mm. that one tree dies. But uh, that tasted like banana. Yeah, I remember <laughs> that. Very strange. Yeah, it was <laughs> a little crazy. Uh, and th they looked very different, the different varieties, right? Mm. Mm. Yeah. So it's kind of a. You know, sometimes it's hard to say when you go to a farm and the farmer says, oh, I have geisha. And then you can clearly see that it's not geisha. Mm. But um, if you kind of know the morphology, like how the different trees look like, you mm. can also tell. But a lot of them look the same as well. So, for instance, uh, Sudander May is not, not that different from the geisha, uh, just by the naked eye. But maybe if you know the details, like some of them have bronze leaves, you know, some mm. of them have more pointy cherries, pointy leaves, bigger leaves, and so on. So, a trained agronomist can can tell the difference. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you just really have to check check the DNA. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, how was it like staying at the farm? Because we slept there for, mm. was it two nights? Mm. Yeah. It was really nice. Yeah. And uh, he also has a dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I felt like home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And waking up in the morning, drinking a coffee at the farm. From the farm. From at the, the farm. farm. Yeah. yeah. That, that's something special, I think. Very special. Although you woke yeah. up very late. I was always up uh, very <laughs> early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, Hilberto, you know, it's his child, child home uh, mm. that we stayed in. Um, and of course, that house was abandoned during the Civil War. Mm. There was a lot of bullet holes in uh, the house. But he, ref he remodeled it and refurbished it, um, painted and, you know, made it nice again. Uh, I think it was two years ago. So now we're able to stay on the actual mm. farm. He normally stays in the city, but uh, he enjoys staying on the farm more now, mm. I think. Which you know I would do as well. Yeah, that makes sense. It's very beautiful there. Yeah, yeah. but cold at the night. Yeah. Remember freezing yeah. a little bit. Yeah, it was a little bit freezing. Yeah. But it's very magical. Like this fog comes up. Yeah. Um, from like the valley, and then comes up the volcano. Yeah. It's like it's like a more like a mist, maybe. Yeah. So every it's kind of like in Norway in the afternoon in summer mm. you always have this wind because mm. of the sun going down, and um, kind of the same there. Like mm. you get this afternoon mist and the winds because it's a top of a volcano. Like mm. there's a lot of wind all the time, which really helps the drying of the coffee. So it's pretty ideal conditions mm. for for producing coffees. Of course, it could be higher altitude. Always <laughs> can never get enough. <laughs> but uh, you know, I think the. We also cup the coffees. Like, can I explain what the kind of profiles of his coffees are? Because they are quite different from um, from uh, Nascimento mm. and, and uh, Marisabel's coffees. Mm. I always find his coffee very sweet, um, and I don't like to use that word like rounded, but it is very well rounded, yeah. and uh, often got this heavy body yeah uh, nutty um but we just cupped a few new samples yeah yeah they were quite fruity yeah but you know if, if you compare that coffee to a kenyan it will mm. still not be very fruity mm. because uh everything is relative but mm. uh, uh at least the coffees from the top of a volcano which are the ones we tend to buy they're they're a little bit more fruity mm. but it was quite hard to cup like i think we cupped i don't remember like 30 40 samples yeah and it was the first time cupping at Origin. Oh, different I was roles, struggling. Different <laughs> water. Ooh, yeah. Uh, and of course, we have to evaluate evaluate the coffees when we when we cup them. Mm. What did you like? How was that compared to? Because you do a lot of production cupping here in mm -hmm. Norway. Mm -hmm. How did you find cupping there? Um, it was different because the coffees were so fresh, and they were also just like roasted the day before, I think. Um, so it's a little bit more muted in a way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I thought it was really hard. Um, but yeah, then you told me to relax and just like don't overthink. And then I feel like I kind of got into it. Yeah. It can be a little challenging, um, uh, the coffees are fresh, mm. you know, so they have this kind of greenness over them. Mm. Uh, they're a little tight, like mm. you said, it's not really open up. 
So instead of looking for these kind of very delicate aromas and flavors, at least me, I'm I'm looking more for like mouthfeel, mm. sweetness. But you know the roasting will affect that greatly. Uh, so it's kind of hard to make buying decisions right there and then. But you get an impression, and we bring samples mm. home, and then we we cut them again, mm. roast again, and then based on all these kind of numbers and comments, then you can make a buying decision. Mm. But we tasted some new varieties there as well. Mm. Remember that the last yeah. table? Mm-hmm. Fun. Yeah, that yeah. was fun. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, they were quite different from the coffees he already yeah. has. Because in the, the majority of the coffees we tasted were uh, Pacamaras and yeah. Uh, Bourbon. Yeah. And then uh, the last table was Sudan Rume, something he calls Conga, which Conga, is like yes, Ethiopian, Geisha, mm. uh, SL28. Mm. What else? But, um, not bourbon. Um, Java? Yeah. Mm. Oh. <laughs> yeah, there was a few more. There was one pink. Pink. Do you remember? Uh, was it pink bourbon? Or? I think so. Yeah. And it w- for that stood out for yeah. me. It was really nice. I think it was the pink bourbon. It mm. was very delicious. Mm. Um, but, uh, of course, those coffees were processed like a natural process, so they yeah. were all very fruity, but... Uh, I can honestly say that at least the Conga, mm. Sudan Rume were like really standouts. Yeah. Uh, as well, they were very different from anything else I've tasted from his farm. Mm. The Sudan Rume is almost—it's uh, hard to explain, but it's like pure mandarin juice. Like you buy in Colombia, you get mandarin juice. It tastes like that, and it's mm. also quite spicy. Mm. So it's a very interesting flavor. I hope we'll get that in a year or two. I hope to. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Okay, so moving on, we um, we spent a few days at uh, uh, Los Pirineos visiting Gilberto, and then uh, we took the car and drove to south of uh, Honduras, mm. where we were picked up by... We actually drove to El Salvador, south of El Salvador, like San Miguel, mm. and then Marisabella Moises came to pick us up. Yeah. Um, yeah, tell me about that experience. Um, I met them before a couple of times, and uh, it was really nice to see them again. Uh, there is such lovely people. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So they picked us up, and uh, we on on the way um, we stopped and uh, we bought some fruit. And <laughs> Always, Marisabel. Is I just have to tell about like Marisabel <laughs> is. Is very she she's very including yeah. and she wants us to taste everything, uh, yeah, yeah, all so the good mangoes. It's always <laughs> like that when we drive a car and we drive past a fruit stand uh, by the roads. She's like, oh oh oh, <laughs> they have great mangoes here in this p- yeah. particular place. Yeah. They have mangoes and another place they have melons. <laughs> and then we we stop to eat chicharron. Yes. <laughs> which is like fried bacon mm. or or Crisp. fat, yeah, yeah, whatever, bacon crisps. Mm. Um, and then we came to their farms, which is very different. Like th- mm. we stayed in their house, which is not actually on the farms. It's downtown, I would say, mm. near a small uh, town called Marcala. Yes. And of course, we had great food as always. Yeah. <laughs> 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 She's a great cook. She loves to eat good food. And she loves to feed us yeah. uh, good food as well. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite meals there is the barbecue. 
oh. where we just, you know, I Juicy know. Juicy meat. <laughs> yeah, I, I know we shouldn't eat uh, that much meat, but this, yes. is, this is delicious. Mm. And uh, we had some good wine, some beers. Mm. Um, but tell me about the farms, because you went with the Marisa, but I didn't go with you. No. I was actually cupping yeah. with, uh, with Moises. Mm. Uh, but tell me about the farms. Yeah, so she took me around um, to see, uh, I think I saw five farms. Yeah. Yeah. And um, also the mills. Um, so they have uh, one wet mill and one dry mill yeah. at the farm. Yeah. Which is really nice. So, yeah. Um, it's very different from Los Pirineos. Um it's it's more lush and green. Yeah. Of course, uh, Los Pirineos is in a very dry area, yeah. so it's not as uh, kind of there's not so much vegetation around. Mm. It's more sandy. Yeah. Whereas uh, in Marcala, it's you know a lot of pine forest around. Mm. And um, and they also grow uh, coffee under pine trees. Yes. Uh, which Marisabel told me it's not that common. But no, it's not. And uh, one I think part of the reason is because the pine needles uh, tend to make the soil a little acidic, mm. which coffee growers don't like. So, But, uh, you know, if you have good soil biology, yeah, it, it doesn't yeah. matter. But <laughs> 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 well, that's a different podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, like unlike uh, Los Pirineos, Los Pirineos is kind of one farm on mm. a volcano. Mm. Of course, it's a lot of land. It's like 200 hectares, I think. I think mm. Marcella Moises has similar amounts of land, but they have different farms spread yes. around in a bigger area. Yeah. And all the small farms have different names. Yeah. So that's kind of why when we sell their coffee, we sell it as Caballero coffee. Cause, yeah. You know, otherwise you would have. Then you know what to look for if you want mm. really like their coffees. Mm. And uh, you saw, did you see any varieties there as well? Or? Mm. So we went to Finca El Puente, yeah. where our geisha comes from, yeah. and also our Java. Yeah. So, yes, I saw those trees yes. and tasted a little, little bit. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, went to uh, El Pantanal. Yeah. And they grow a lot of kata'i there, yeah. mm, which we also buy. Yeah, that's kind of their standard coffee. Yeah. So, the, you know, they won the Cup of Excellence with their geisha, I think it was two years ago or three years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, I often have this discussion with uh, Moises, because he's always asked, you know, why don't you just take out all the kata'i and plant geisha? Because he's getting, you know, fantastic prices for the geisha. And just to give you some numbers, we pay $25 per pound for the geisha. And we pay five dollars per pound for the cutaway. Yeah. And uh, you know, is the geisha really worth twenty-five dollars? That's debatable, of course. But um, uh, like, that's the price he can get in the market. But he doesn't want to grow too much of it. Mm. As he says, he doesn't want to drink geisha every day. Mm. Uh, he likes to drink cutaway. That's kind of his bread and butter coffee. And mm. most of his clients, including ourselves like to buy Katawaii coffees because they're very sweet. They have a different profile than the geisha. Mm. So I think, you know, he's very good at diversifying. He has a little bit of Java, a little mm. bit of Pacamara, a little bit of geisha, and so on. But he's quite uh, firm in his belief that he doesn't mm. want to replant everything with geisha. Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> Should he? <or? laughs> no. I, I kind of agree with Moises. And I think he uses a lot of common sense yeah. 
in the way he uh, runs the farms. So, no, it makes sense to have more kata'i. It's I can drink a lot <laughs> yeah, of that exactly. coffee. Uh, it's so sweet and everyone likes it. Yeah. I think another discussion we had with him in a car, mm. uh, driving from the mill at night, was uh, you know a lot of uh, clients ask him to do different processes like mm. uh, fermenting in bags and all these kind of things, and he, you know he's he can do it. There's no problem. But the problem is a lot of times customers aren't willing to commit to buy the products exactly. just in case it doesn't turn out the way they want to, mm. and also they don't necessarily want to pay more for it. Uh, but for him, it's a lot of extra work. He has to pay a lot more attention in the milling, mm. doing the processing, and so on. So for him, you know, uh, at least what he told us now, he like he he would prefer not to do it because uh, you know there's no money in it for him, and it's, it just creates headaches for him. Mm. Um, which is interesting, I think, because the trend today is that you when you go to farms, everyone wants to do like special fermentation or whatever. Uh, but he's kind of. Um, more fan, I guess, of the cleaners washed mm. coffees, and he's very good at washing coffees, and he's also very good at milling coffees, the mm. dry milling. So the mm. quality is really, really nice. Yeah, very Agreed. clean. Mm. Yeah, and those coffees are uh, actually being milled as we speak. So oh. um, <laughs> I think they're getting shipped the uh, first week of May, which is next week. Oh, nice! And then they will arrive May, June, l- end of June, I guess. Mm. That's when they will arrive in Norway. Fresh crop. Caballero coffees. <laughs> Very delicious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. What was your best experience on their farms? Um, well, it was very special when um, they asked some of the, their workers to stay a little bit longer to show me their wet mill yeah. and how they process coffee. Yeah. That was so kind. Yeah. And uh, it was the only time I saw actually... Uh, the wet processing, milk. yeah, yeah. It's a little bit of timing because mm. uh, you know when you visit a farm, they don't necessarily pick coffee that particular day mm. and so on. Especially when we were there over a weekend, you know. So, uh, but they they employ a lot of the local yeah people who live in the local community and you know not just during the season but all year round and mm. they pay them well. Mm. So. Um, <laughs> Moises is kind of looked upon as a king in the area. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, people refer to the era before yeah. and after Moises, mm. which really tells, you know, how much effort they actually put into yeah. their local community. But for Moises, you know, like you said, he's make common sense. If he has mm. problems with his neighbors, mm. that's not good for him. So he needs to treat his neighbors well and, mm. and keep them employed. And, and uh, I also know that he has like a project every year where he builds a house for one of them. Mm. Which is very nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just because they can, you know, he, mm. he they sell a lot of their coffee for a good price. So, uh, you know, they they almost lost their farms. Uh, was back in two thousand three, two thousand four, and then they entered a couple of excellence, and I think they got second place. Mm. And uh, because of that, they started getting buyers who wanted to buy direct and mm. paying a good price, and, um, and that has really helped them financially. And mm. now, you know, they're. They're living a nice life, and both their kids have gone to college. Mm. We met one of their sons. Mm-hmm. He was there with mm-hmm. us. Very nice. So, Esri. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he was helping out with the cupping. And we cupped a lot of um, coffees. <laughs> oh, man. I was, yeah, that was a lot. <laughs> yeah. The first day we roasted them. Mm-hmm. 
I don't remember how many, but it was like 80 samples or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then we cupped all 80 samples the day after. Mm. And then the third day, I recupped the best ones when mm. you went to the farms. Yeah. So uh, it was a lot. W- were there any standouts there or anything you remember? I remember that the Katoese were surprisingly fruity. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And also the geishas were yeah. really good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think especially this year, the Katwais were actually, for yeah. me, uh, the quality was really, really good this year. Uh, as you said, it's, it was more fruity, mm. sweet, and we had so many lots to select from, so we can really cherry pick from the very best. And of course, you know, they produce a lot of coffee, uh, but not all of them are processed the same. So, mm. for instance, the coffees that we taste, they're normally washed and uh, they're always dried on raised beds mm. on the shade. So we don't really cup the coffees that are mm. dried on patios or in mechanical dryers, because mm. we're not going to buy them anyway. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so he's really, I feel like we're getting priority when we're there and really tasting the top top lots. Yeah, I, yeah, I've, I think they appreciate uh, the relationship. Yeah, and um, I, it's important, I think. That's yeah. kind of why we're doing it. Mm. Uh, you know, so th- you can always find better coffees if you just travel around Honduras and cup every single coffee there is, mm. but uh, it might not be from the same farmer every year. And I- at least for me, consistency mm. is important. So we want consistent, high quality, and it's better to work with one farm o- over time to help them improve and create processing protocols that we like we would like to buy so that's why we're doing this kind of long term and they're lovely people yeah you know, good friends and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that helps a li- as well mm. all right so moving on we went from marcala we drove to uh, santa barbara yes which is north in honduras and uh, we went to visit Hobnil mm-hmm. and his family mm-hmm. on his farm nascimento mm-hmm. which is actually the first farmer we started buying from mm-hmm. direct mm-hmm. And the first farmer I started kind of working with. Mm. Um, how was that? Also very nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so he, when did he get his uh, wet mill? Well, his farm, uh, I think he bought it in 2007 or something. Yeah. And uh, of course he had a, just a little hand crank depulper yeah. and a small tank then. Yeah. And then he's been building... The new wet mill that he built was, I think, five years ago. Yeah. But it was, he then built a house on top of it mm. two years ago. Okay, yeah. He was very proud. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it looked really good. Yeah. Um, a little bit different from the Caballeros yeah. mill. Um, of course, it's smaller. Yeah. Like, yeah. he only has, uh, originally had uh, 16 hectares. Mm. Uh, that's the farm, Nascimento. Mm. Um and uh, he was he would process his father's coffees there as well, which is Celito Lindo, which is on top, like just above mm. Nascimento. But now we bought, as you said uh, in the beginning, four new farms mm. in a different area, and he's gonna build a wet mill over there as oh, well. Oh, nice! Yeah, because yeah. mm. uh, his farm is. We drove all the way up, and it's quite a long drive. Yeah, and it's the road is terrible. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely, and. Uh, when it's raining, yeah, I can't imagine. No, like and then w- yeah. where the wet mill is, it's actually at the bottom of the farm, 
So when we stopped there, we had to even walk up hills yeah. where there's no road, so you have to walk. Mm. So the only way to get the coffee up and down is by mule, mm. or you carry it on your back. Mm. We did see some picking. Mm, we did. Yeah. Yeah. But it's hard to get pickers up there because it's on top of the mountain and uh, there's not a lot of people living around. So he has to pay extra just be because the farm is high, yeah. but he also pays extra to get them to pick ripe cherries and do sorting yeah. and so on. But the climate there was very different, huh? Yeah. <laughs> of course, <laughs> the weather is different from day to day, but uh, <laughs> uh, I would say when we were in El Salvador, the, the, it was very dry, mm. but that's because it's the dry season. Mm. A lot of wind, and in Marcala, it was more like misty, yeah. cold, but uh, you know that's kind of quite normal there during the harvest season. And Nascimento was quite sunny, but uh, you get mist in the afternoon, mm. and it's also quite cold up yeah. in the mountain. But we were staying in the Peña Blanca, which is a town at lower altitude where it's quite hot. Yeah, and humid. Yeah, yeah. but uh, and we went to also Hobnil's house to have yeah. lunch. And mm. how did you find that? Uh, they were great people, yeah. very passionate, Yes. and they had turtles. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah. We didn't eat them, they have no. like... Yeah. <laughs> I was petting the turtles. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Neil is a bit, uh, I would say, a little bit younger than the other ones. Mm -hmm. He's kind of my age, maybe a little bit older, in his early 40s. Mm. So young. Yeah. Yes. And very energetic. Yeah. And talks all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we also cupped his coffees. Mm. Any standouts there? Um, well, I love the coffees from Nascimento. Yeah. It's always so fruity. Yeah. Like red fruit. Um, I think the pacas was really good. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the cool things this year was that we, we we were there early yeah so Nascimento they're picking much later than Marisabel and Moises and Hilberto they Hilberto and Marisabel and Moises they pick you know January February March normally that's mm. their main harvest season at Nascimento they also start normally mid-January but they pick all the way through June mm. so the best coffees are normally the late harvest because it's from the higher altitudes uh, but this year, the lower altitude coffees, were, were, I mean, it's not low, it's 1,500 yeah. meters, <laughs> but um, from the lower part of his farm, yeah. uh, they were tasting really, really mm. nice. There was one lot that had some problems with the phenol, yeah. but uh, the rest was uh, tasting really fruity and mm. nice. And normally those coffees are not so expressive and intense. So I'm hoping, you know, we're still waiting for samples for the uh, late harvest yeah. before we can buy, but... Uh, if you know those coffees were so good, then uh, I'm really hoping yeah. that the rest will be fantastic. Ah. But they had some problems. All the coffees were ripening, you know, more or less at the same time. There's no pickers around. Uh, yeah. They had a lot of rain. You know, there's always problems. Yeah, tough season. because yeah. there's um, it, it was really early this year, wasn't it? Yeah, earlier All than usual. All over in Honduras, so yeah. hard to find pickers yeah. in general. You know, uh, every year is different, but um, yeah. of course, if everyone harvests at the same time, it's hard to get pickers. Yeah. But you don't really see very often, especially in this area, which is in Santa Barbara, 
because the farms are quite small, they don't tend to bring people from other countries or, you know, to pick. Mm. Whereas you can see, like, in, in Guatemala or uh, also in Honduras, they can bring pickers from Nicaragua or other places to mm. come and pick coffees during mm. the harvest season be just because they need manpower. Yeah. Um, but it really depends on the farm, how big it is, and so on. So, uh, but uh, Hobnil normally uses local guys, and yeah, they he drives them up to the farm every day in his pickup mm. every morning, mm. and then uh, comes down to eat lunch, or he will eat lunch at the farm and then come and eat mm. dinner at his house. Mm. What was your uh, kind of favorite memory from the whole trip? I wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that it's hard to pick like one moment because yeah. um, everything was um, great. Um, sorry, Tim, I can't. <laughs> <like> <laughs> everything was so nice. It was like a dream come true. And um, <sighs> I only remember you cried a lot. I cried all the time. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> It's uh, sometimes it's hard to find words yeah. when you're really happy and excited, and then, yeah, tears just runs like a river. Yeah, <laughs> but it's happy tears. Would but you find uh, like at least before I started going to farms? You know, when I drank coffee, it was all about just how the coffee tasted. But uh, now I. And for, for me, quality is more than just a flavor now. Like knowing how it's grown, knowing the people who grew it, knowing that it's not sprayed to death with the chemicals, you know, all of these kind of things really makes me appreciate the coffee more when I drink it. Hmm. Have you come to that point yet? Or Yeah, I'm about to cry right now. <laughs> 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 it's very special. Um, yeah, it's. I get really excited to know that these people have they they put so much effort and their heart and yeah invest so much and yeah it's it's something more than just a cup of coffee yeah it's uh, it's about relationships and yeah also like affecting a whole town yeah it's amazing yeah it is amazing and you know it's not charity it's just respecting for me it's just about respecting the suppliers we have mm. kind of treating them as they're part of our team mm. uh, which they are I mean they're producing the raw material for us to be able to roast and brew the coffee uh, so we kind of look at it as an extended family and uh, of course they're the ones with the biggest investment they have to wait you know almost a year yeah from uh, the flowering to mm. the harvest, and uh, they can lose everything in one day if you know if they have frost, which they do in uh, Marcala. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the coffee is lost. Yeah. You know, the, the 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 tree just aborts the seeds, and they become brown, and the coffee doesn't taste good. So that can easily happen. Mm. Uh, we saw a couple of years ago leaf rust outbreak in the whole Central America. Fortunately, neither Hilberto, Hobnil, uh, or Marisabella Moises were affected very hard by the leaf rust outbreak mm. because they they had done preventive spraying and you know but we can discuss uh, organic coffee as much as we really like but uh, until we have like a good solution for preventing leaf rust and good knowledge on how to mm. to tackle that or handle that mm. these guys are really 
not willing to risk their whole livelihood on, you know, some crazy ideas that we have. That's something I can respect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, but we we are going to uh, Marisabel and Moises are actually doing uh, experiments, yeah. uh, farming in a similar way that I am mm. in Colombia. Mm. So trying to reduce fertilizer. Uh, use and do use compost and you know mm. all these kind of things. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah. Well, what was the kind of uh, you know? It was a fast, fast travel. Mm. Um, how uh, like ha- was it different than you thought before you went? Did you think it would be like going on vacation and you know enjoying or? No, I thought I was going to work a lot more, and <laughs> I saw <laughs> for this. Uh, um when he went to Fincanzuelo, yeah. he was working so much. Yeah. I was like, Oh, I need to go to the gym before I go. <laughs> <laughs> Get in shape. <laughs> yeah, it's very but, different. Uh, it, yeah, it's, it was different. Um and the cupping was I expected it to like that's something I know how yeah. to do. Yeah. And it was more different and yeah, difficult and um so that was something I didn't expect. But otherwise, um, I mean, it was perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people think that traveling to Origin to buy coffees is, uh, it's really nice, like, but it's also quite exhausting. Mm. Um, it's long days. You socialize all day. Uh, the cupping, especially at Marisabella Moises, is exhausting. You know, it's like eight tables, mm. over eighty samples, and uh, yeah, you just you have to concentrate a lot. Mm. Whereas when I go to Colombia, like w- the trip that Fotis uh, came uh, on, that's more like physical work. So yeah. you get tired in a different way. It's like you wake up six o'clock, go out to work all day. Mm. At the evening, you just eat dinner and go to bed and sleep. <laughs> That's farm life. Yeah. yeah. So um, it is quite different, but um, you know the travel, the trip that you went on is kind of my annual. I call it the buying trip, or mm. I don't. I don't necessarily have to go on that trip to buy coffees. They could easily just send me the samples, and I was discussing with them because you know we kind of need to reduce the amount we fly. Yeah. You know, it's not very. Uh, environmentally friendly Mm. Um, so I would maybe prefer in the future that they could send samples instead of me going but there's also something that you can't you know do over Skype or video conference and that's the kind of interaction you get by being together the whole day and just sitting in a car for many hours discussing things Mm. catching up discussing ideas you know, looking at the processing, mm. how can we improve it? Looking at varieties, looking at you know Hope Neil's new farms, giving yeah. him some advice. Yeah. You know, these kind of things you can't really do uh, online. You have to be there yeah. in order to do it. So that's kind of why I've been going for so many years. And of course now there's not that many things to kind of advise on because they're already doing it. Mm. And um, there's always something, you know. Yeah. But now, you know, most of their processing is fantastic. We don't have to really go and through the nitty-gritty things of that. <laughs> Except the drying at Nascimento, we can improve a little bit, I think. Uh, reducing the heat. Mm. Um, changing the dryers a little bit so they have more air airflow, air circulation. But uh, apart from that, I was really happy. Mm. And, uh, you can taste it in the coffees. They taste amazing. Amazing, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Cool. But I could see that they were really appreciating you visiting them again. And um, just to kind of maintain and... Yeah. yeah. I think part of the... Um, you know, one thing that uh, we don't discuss as much in the coffee world is like, yeah, transparency is important. Paying a good price is important. But I think the most important part is commitment. Mm. That you have buyers that are committed to buying the coffees from the producers, mm. but also producers who are committed to produce the qualities you want. Mm. And it's that's the kind of the meaning of having a good relationship. And you see that especially today when we have the corona yeah. outbreak. You know, I was speaking to Hilberto uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he told me, you know, several clients have just canceled coffee from him <laughs> just by WhatsApp messages or sending in a mail saying, I'm sorry, I can't buy any coffee this year. Instead of, you know, calling it's and discussing. Yeah. That's, that's tough because the coffee is produced. The coffee is produced and it's there. And, uh, and you know. the workers are probably already paid and yeah. it's a lot of cost. Yeah. To so so that, that's really difficult for him, but uh, fortunately he's been able to sell it to through other channels. But um, that's not the case for all farmers. Mm. So I think you know, being committed, of course, uh, with him we I think we bought five bags less this year than last year. But we're at least we're trying to buy it as much as we can mm. uh, from each farmer. Um, and of course, we're in this together. It's not just them that have a problem. We have a problem. Everyone has the problem. Yeah. So, you know, I, I've been discussing also with Hilberto that maybe we're paying slightly lower prices this year so that we, because we're not able to sell as much wholesale, mm. we have to sell retail. So trying to lower the price a little bit so we can kind of try to compensate for that volume by mm. having slightly cheaper coffees. And he said, yeah, no problem. You know, it's, uh, we can do that this year. And, yeah. uh, and also the dollar is really expensive now for the Norwegian mm. currency. So probably, even though we're paying maybe a little bit less, he will probably maybe get the same as he did last year because of the exchange rate. So mm. there's all these kind of dynamics that you you have to kind of have a dialogue on and mm. don't be afraid to, when you know the person well, you d I'm not afraid to ask these kind yeah. of things. The worst things, Hilberto can say no. You know, mm. I need the same price as last year. But he was, you know, understanding. And, mm. uh, and then they communicate and it's not just on the buyer's terms. Yeah. It's um, a two-way dialogue. Exactly. So I'm I'm actually in the same dialogue with uh, Hobnil because um, I really want to support him and, and buy as much as I can. But then maybe we'll have to go slightly down on the price this year yeah. compared to last year. Um, but, you know, we're not talking a lot. We're talking mm. 50 cents, you know. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, He's still getting a good price, I think. It's just it, it really helps uh, uh, with the so that we don't have to add, you know, the price even more here, which mm. because the dollar is really expensive at mm. the moment. Cool. I think uh, we have to round off. Yeah. Anything else you want to say or? Uh, thank you so much <laughs> for bringing me. <laughs> no, it was a pleasure to bring. Oh. Part of the reason why I wanted to bring you is because, you know. Uh, at the moment, I'm doing all the buying decisions for green coffee. And I think, you know, in the future, if I'm staying in Colombia and we're receiving samples, I need someone to be able to roll samples and cup samples and confirm, you know, the qualities. Or um, I would still probably cup them myself as well. But it's always good to have another person mm. to be able to do that. And uh, it's difficult. It's a different way of cupping, I think, than production cupping or, you know, mm. cupping just for fun. So. Mm. That's part of the reason why you had to go, and also your roaster, and 
you need to know how this works. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it was like a hole, black hole in my um, career. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So uh, thank you for listening. Uh, I'm not sure what next episode will be about, but uh, I kind of have invited Stephanie, our bar manager, to come and uh, talk about how we do training in oh. our bar, how we do quality control and so on. Uh, I hope you enjoy listening to this podcast. If you have any tips or comments or whatever, we don't really have a place for you to do that, but uh, you can go on Instagram and and uh, tell us, you know, I'd like to hear more about this or whatever. Uh, until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you, Marit. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>